Hello, and welcome back to The Christmas of a Lifetime. I'm your host, Jacob Osterman, and with me, as always, is my brother, Jesse Austin Brenneman. Jesse. Merry Christmas, Jacob. Merry Christmas to you too, Jesse. I've been pretty good, thank you. You know, we are getting closer and closer to Christmas. And that just means for me, more and more Lifetime movies, which I can watch, because they come at a faster frequency. November, every weekend. Now, we're in December. It's basically every day. It's amazing. I have my candy cane tea. I've got mm-hmm. these great gingerbread cookies that you sent me. So thank you for that. Excellent. I'm glad them. they I'm glad they arrived. I'm uh, dunking you know- it in the tea as we speak. I don't know if we can get that. Let me see if I can get some audio of the dunking. We're going to try and... I don't know if that's going to make it through. But... There we go. Perfect. Oh, man. That's, that's good fully work. That's delicious stuff. So, yeah, really getting into the season. And I'm excited to hear that this is one of my favorite movies that we're going to play our discussion back from February. About, yeah, I don't know if you remember this movie. This is up there for me in our ranking of movies. Radio Christmas with our favorite, KKP, Kesha oh. Nipolium. Kesha Nipolium. Of course, as we're, we're going to discuss, she is one of the greats in terms of uh, Lifetime original Christmas movies. And I'm very excited to listen back to this conversation that we had. The weather's cold, but the fire's warm, and the TV is playing all our favorite movies. This week, KKP is bringing her love of Christmas to the small town of Bethlehem. It's 15 days till Christmas. And you're listening to the Christmas of a Lifetime. Let's bring the Christmas spirit in the air, the air. And let's turn the lights down low. And make some hot cocoa and watch the falling snow. And look at the beautiful Christmas lights. Look at our favorite Christmas movies. Buy the presents under the Christmas tree. So join us to have. Welcome back, everyone, to the podcast that by now you have all come to know and love, The Christmas of a Lifetime. I'm your host, Jacob Osterman, and with me today, as always, is my brother, Jesse Austin Brenneman. Jesse. You know, Jacob, first of all, let me lead off with Merry Christmas, as you know, we're, we're keeping Christmas, the purpose of this podcast is to keep that Christmas spirit going all year, uh, and I'm absolutely loving it. You know, I have my candy cane, I have my hot cocoa, I'm ready to go, it's a little chilly. We're into February, we're getting into those cold months, uh, and you know, the Christmas spirit just buoys me up. And you know, Jacob, I know that we are biological brothers, but I also like yep. to think that we are brothers in Christmas. So with that said, Merry Christmas, and I can't wait to talk about this great movie that we just watched. You know, Jesse, I consider myself a child of Christmas and a student of Christmas. And with that spirit, uh, I think we're going to have to talk about the movie today, which is, of course, number three on Elle's All 88 Lifetime Christmas Movies ranked in order, Radio Christmas. So, Jesse, first of all, I, I always like to start off thinking about movies, any movie, not just the Christmas movies, but thinking about movies with a little bit of background knowledge. You know, I'm yeah. big on the film industry on how movies are made. Yeah. And uh, I really like to start off each episode with our stocking stuffer. So that's trivia about the movie, things that we can learn that we can open up before we really start talking about the movie and just get a little aperitif about the movie we're discussing today. 
Well, Jacob, I've looked at my stocking, and because I was on the nice list, Santa brought me an excellent stocking stuffer. And what I really want you to think about is the transition of an actor. So you're 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 an actor. You're in your career. You really want to try and find roles that speak to a career across the projects that you do. And I want to just talk for a moment about the transformation of Michael Xavier, who plays the romantic lead in this movie. And I think, you know, he has a long filmography. You know, he's in a bunch of movies. He does a lot of TV. You know, he's doing guests, recurring roles. You know, really wide started way back um, in 2008. You know, and so he's he's by the time he gets to this movie and Radio Christmas and stars in this movie, he's been in the industry for over a decade. Right. Okay. But what we see here, what we see here and it's going it's continuing going. I mean, he's a great actor. He's great mm-hmm. in this. I love the work that he does. But what we see here is his accelerating into the career of a Christmas actor. OK, now we, we've seen Christmas actors in the past. We have seen Christmas actors in the past. And, and you know, there are late bloomers. There are people that come to it late. There are people that start in Christmas movies and go on to other types of projects. But I'm right. really excited about Michael Xavier and his future work because I think he's becoming a real Christmas actor. So you can see 2017, first Christmas movie he's in, Christmas Inheritance. He has a, he has a, a, a role in that. Then 2019, two years later, he's doing other work, doing other projects. 2019, he lands the lead in Radio Christmas. And then it just goes off. It goes all the way into Christmas. 2020, he's in Christmas on Wheels. Christmas Comes Twice. Letters to Satan Claus, which is a sci-fi movie, and A Christmas Mission. So you see, okay, one year, 2017, he's in one movie. 2019, there's a two-year pause. It's like, let me just test the waters again with that Christmas movie. Do I like it? And I think that he learned some of the lessons his character learned in this movie and just went all in on Christmas movies and now is in for this year. I'm expecting it's exponential growth for Christmas movies for Michael Xavier. I'm expecting him to be in 16 next year. So looking forward to his 2021 output. I'm here for it. I love him in all the roles that he's been in so far that I've seen him. So that's my stuffing stuffer for you, Jacob. Exponential (laughs) transition into Christmas actor. And what a great transformation, Michael Xavier. By the way, great work. 2025, you go to the theaters, every movie starring Michael Xavier, every movie about Christmas. It's going to happen. It's somehow an Avengers crossover. The data is clear. Mark Ruffalo, back again. The data is clear. Mark Michael Xavier is now a Christmas actor, and I cannot wait for more movies with him because he's great in this. He just the sincerity, everything is all there. You know, I got to think that when you you star in one of these Lifetime original movies, you think, oh, you know, I'll, I'll just do one of them. But then you get in it, and you get in that Christmas ecosystem of movie making, and you're like, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is where I can make a difference with my storytelling. This is where I can bring the Christmas spirit to life. Yeah, and really help people through my movie making, through my craft. Yeah, I, you know, I wonder how great the sets must be on the Lifetime Christmas movies because I think you just feel like your family. You're coming home. There's this whole theme of home for Christmas. And maybe mm-hmm. you feel like mm-hmm. that as an actor when you're part of these projects. You know, you go, you do your other TV during the year, but you mm-hmm. always come home to Lifetime, home, to Chris, home for Christmas. So mm-hmm. this is great stuff. All right, well, with that said, you know, this is just a little, little preview of what's coming... This movie, Radio Christmas. What was Radio Christmas about, Jacob? How, how would you describe the, the plot of this movie? 
you know, we've seen a lot of different roles in the Christmas movie so far. In the past two movies, we've seen first a real estate lawyer, mm-hmm. and we've seen a 1920s bootlegger slash rum runner. Mm-hmm. We've seen security guard. We've seen pickpocket. It really, to me, is all about taking these different varied roles and really bringing the Christmas spirit into them. So in this movie, in Radio Christmas, we follow Keisha Knight-Pulliam starring as Kara. And she is a very beloved Christmas radio host. So she hosts uh, a show on a radio station where she is talking all about Christmas. She is playing Christmas music. She's receiving Christmas cards from the children who love her show. And then, you know, she's, she's... trying to get a new podcast up off the ground. You you know, Jesse, as well as I do, that that can be very difficult. It's very me. hard. It's very hard. We really felt really relatable for us. It immediately drew me in as soon as she started talking about trying to start a podcast. It's a Christmas movie for the next generation, you know. So she's trying to start this podcast when all of a sudden disaster strikes. Her radio station, which is located in the bustling metropolis of Philadelphia, it has to be shut down. They have to they have to do some repairs to the building, some renovations. And so she is forced out of the lifeblood that is Philadelphia and into a relatively quaint, sleepy town aptly named Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Now these are real towns, Jacob. Philadelphia and Bethlehem are real places in Philadelphia. I, I did have to look them up. Philadelphia is indeed a real town. Yeah. So she's in she has to go to Bethlehem to record her radio show and she's upset because of course it's Christmas time and that is the busiest time of year for her and being on location when you're recording a radio show is crucially important Uh, you want to be right where the action is so she's in this new town and she is just trying to keep the Christmas spirit and once you know it she realizes that there is a lot for her to learn and for her to love in Bethlehem so she she meets a intriguing man by the name of Scott and his daughter, Andy, who has written to Kara and says that all she wants for Christmas is for her dad to find true love. And so this story follows Kara and Scott as they navigate the tricky waters of relationships and Scott's hidden past as a philanthropist, which he keeps hidden throughout the course of the movie, and finally culminates in them coming together, realizing that if they just talk through their problems and communicate, then they can solve them and really uncover the true meaning of Christmas. Yeah, you know, one of the things I loved about this movie, Jacob, and, and you, you covered a lot there because this movie really does cover a lot of ground, but mm-hmm. it has all of the, the traditional, I'm, I'm going to use the word hallmark here, even though we generally do not use that word on this podcast. That's... All That's of the really hall- not what we're about. Yeah, <laughs> all about the hallmarks of the traditional Lifetime Christmas movie, which mm-hmm. is career-oriented woman, right? She's going from mm-hmm. a big city to a small town for Christmas. But here's where I think this movie really subverts it a little bit. So it has all of these dimensions, you know, the hunky local guy who is, you know, all about small businesses, all about his local town, them falling in love and her learning that there really is a lot to learn from, you know, moving from the big city to the small town and finding love and learning about the meaning of Christmas. And Mm -hmm. I love the way they subvert this because, first of all, it's not her hometown. She's not from Bethlehem. So she's discovering everything new. She's actually from 
Philadelphia. So she's she mm-hmm. is the big city girl. She's not going home. She's just going, and she's forced there through this electrical problem. There's an electrical strike. It ruins the the generators, the power, the transmitter. And so they have to be sent out to various radio stations in order to broadcast their mm-hmm. their stuff. And one of the things that, you know, the other thing we talked about this podcast that she's trying to start up, she has lined up a bunch of interviews for her podcast over this period that she wants to present to her producer, to her boss, in order to be able to pitch the podcast, perhaps as a radio show, for this serious XM-like uh, corporate radio that she's working for at the moment. So she has a side gig as the podcast. She's trying to get a startup. It's investigative reporting, right? And mm-hmm. she's trying to get that podcast up, and she's trying to pitch it to her thing. Now, what I absolutely love about this, so we've described all of these classic conflicts. They completely subvert it. She knows a lot about Christmas already. She's a Christmas DJ. The first shot yeah. we see her, she has her, her her set decorated. She's comfortable with Christmas. She knows about the Christmas spirit. And so already I was a little bit worried. What? How is she going to grow and learn about the Christmas spirit, right? I mean, I think we were both worried about that at yeah, the beginning. Yeah, that's a, that's a concern because you, when you stray too far from the what I call the formula yeah. of the Lifetime Christmas movie, mm-hmm. you can veer into dangerous territory. You know, it's very easy to get lost in the in the weeds of a Christmas movie with and you lose that Christmas spirit. Yeah. And so that's a concern when we're watching a movie that seems radically different from others that we've seen in the past. Yeah. But this movie, it really it really stayed true to that spirit. So there were these changes, but it's it started true. with the Christmas spirit, it ends with it the whole way through. Christmas spirit mm-hmm. the whole time. And that was really great about it. The other thing I really liked was usually you have this serendipitous moment, you know, this meet cute, you know, mm-hmm. we're doing this. And the movie starts with her receiving these fan, this fan mail from children that love her Christmas radio show, right? Mm-hmm. So she's playing all of the Christmas hits all the time, all year long, and she gets this fan mail uh, from small children, young children that are writing into her saying how great they love this this Christmas radio station on Sirius XM, and. What is great about it is when she meets the guy, they have the meet cute in the small town. She meets the hunky guy. Turns out his kid is the one that wrote the letter to her, and she's developing a relationship with the kid. And not only was the child actor here brilliant and just did great emotional work, but I really felt, you know, like they were forming a connection. The There was a lot of chemistry between her and the kid, her and the guy. Everything was coming together. Mm-hmm. And it really was subverting some of those those tropes that we've seen previously where, you know, the person doesn't like kids, but then they immediately like this kid, right? But it's no, mm-hmm. no, she likes kids. And she's just learning about this individual kid. It felt like a very specific individualized story rather mm-hmm. than broad strokes Christmas miracle. Yeah. So we had the Christmas spirit, Definitely but it was agree. specific to their stories as individuals. And I thought that storytelling, both the acting, the writing, everything, really great all the way down. Again, I'm a little concerned with Elle's ranking here because I would not have put this at number three. It's not number one, but number one is definitely the fr- you know. I think we can all agree. We we are we already all know Mark Ruffalo stole my heart. He's never got <laughs> on the second day of Christmas is number one, but this has got to number, slot in. This at is n- number two. This has to slot in at number two. 
I don't. Maybe maybe the people at L, the fine writers, did they at L watch the Christmas spirit? Really, maybe they just really like how he cut an apple with a knife. Because I gotta say, that is the thing that, that puts it up good. in the top five for me. That is, it's good. But still, I mean, they gotta watch that again. This is gonna this is gonna rank number two, just just beneath Mark Ruffalo. And I gotta say, the reason Jesse, yeah. of course, the stunt man throwing himself at the fence in <laughs> on the second day of Christmas. We're, we're going to come back. Winner. We have to mention that in every episode because that is the reason that movie is number one. But, you know, right here, I think the work that Keisha Knight-Pulliam or KKP is doing is just really great. And and she's just really selling it, really honest, and lived yeah. in performances. You felt like these were real people. I wasn't thinking, hey, this is KKP from The Cosby Show. This is KKP from the other Christmas movies we've seen, right? I'm seeing Kara, and she is lived in... She's curious. She's an adult woman. She's just got a lot of feelings, a lot of empathy and grace and just great work. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I love this movie. I thought it was really great. I enjoyed watching it. But I think it's time for our segment now, Jake. I think we've covered the plot, basically. Oh, we forgot one thing. So she has this podcast. She's come to Bethlehem. So now she's got to come up with a new topic because she's lost all those interviews that she was going to do. And so the main mystery that she discovers by coming to Bethlehem, and I think this is a bit of a stretch, actually, is to figure out who founded the historical society and saved the town of Bethlehem through an infusion, a philanthropic infusion of millions of dollars, okay, that brought the tourists back, that started the historical society, and who is the secret Santa that donated this money to Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, Mm -hmm. right, and really saved the town. As an ongoing concern. And and so that's her goal. She's throughout. She's she's it's really almost like a, a mystery uh, movie where she's going and she's trying out different suspects. Hey, are you the secret Santa? Are you the secret Santa? And trying to figure out who uh, several years ago did this infusion in cash and, and really saved the town. You know, we've talked about how these Christmas movies can be kind of genre bending. It's and true. this one certainly lived up to that to that role. The mystery element here was really strong, and I felt it was on equal footing for a lot of the movie with the relationship aspect. That's true. And in some of these Christmas movies we're going to watch, you're going to see that the relationship aspect is the most important thing, and the other kind of a backseat to that. But here, the mystery element of it was critical importance because it ties in to the climax of the movie and to the themes of the movie. Yeah. In that we eventually discover with Kara that Michael Xavier's character, of course, is the secret Santa who saved the town. But they're through a series of strange events, doesn't want to reveal himself as the secret Santa. He doesn't want people to look at him differently. But his daughter works together with Kara and through a little bit of podcast trickery, reveals his identity to the town. And of course, the town welcomes him with open arms, so happy that... He did this for them and that he really brought the Christmas spirit back to Bethlehem. He and Kara both come together and realize that this is what they've been looking for, that they, they're looking for people who accept themselves for who they are. They're looking for people who understand family, who understand giving, who understand Christmas. And that's what they find. In you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote Michael Xavier here and just say, to me, this movie was about realizing that it's okay to have a giving heart all right when you have a giving heart and you know he talks about how 
he doesn't want to reveal that he's a secret Santa because he doesn't he he wants his daughter to realize that not just people who give money are mm-hmm. people that should be celebrated and that mm-hmm. perhaps we recognize and celebrate people who just give money philanthropically too much rather than people who may be just picking up litter or just you know working towards saving their town so he really sees it as a collaboration with the community and saving it rather than him saving it and that's why he doesn't want to reveal it because he thinks people might get the wrong idea about it. And I think that was an earned emotion, an earned yeah. feeling that he was communicating through his his work, laying the foundation of him as this humble, generous guy. And I think, you know, the mystery of the identity of the Secret Santa is the central mystery, but there's also the mystery mm-hmm. of their exploring their relationship together. Who are yeah. you? And then when you really can reveal who you are yourself, and that's why he opens up to her. He hasn't opened up to anybody else. Here's Kara. She walks in. He hasn't, you know, he hasn't told to anybody else. And and he just reveals himself to her. And I think that, you know, it's, it's really powerful, powerful work. So I think we've covered the plot. We've covered a lot of things that we liked about the movie. I think it's time for our segment, Christmas Confusions. What about this movie confused you, Jacob? Well, Jesse, my first confusion, Mm -hmm. which it wasn't related so much to the movie, but more to the, uh, again, the writers of L.com who uh, wrote the copy for this. They were pretty snarky about their their discussion of podcasts. And, you know, it feels kind of self-serving to bring it up, but it did did bug me a little bit. It says uh, in the copy where they're talking about this movie on L.com, they say, She soon learns... Car, of course, soon learns that some things are more important than radio. And no, it's not podcasts. And I just, I was confused. Why the dig at podcasts? Why you the know, dig I think at podcasts? Are we can a great like medium. radio. We can like radio. We can like podcasts. You can like both things. We we grew up on radio. Jesse, she... our first show was on the radio. That's true. You know, it's that not, is absolutely I, true. I don't think it's, I don't think it's right to to take digs at a at a new medium like podcasting. Look, rising frequencies float all stations. All right. And I think that we can support podcasts. It's a different medium. You can get a little bit longer format, right? Mm -hmm. You can do some long form interviews. So rather than these short ones and, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a little bit less regulation as to what you can do. The distribution model is a little bit different, but a lot of radio stations are doing podcasts. A lot of podcasts are getting on the radio, you know, so I think there's a lot of crossover. Cara herself is doing podcasting on the side. By the way, yeah. shout out to Hometown Heroes with Cara, which is the name of that podcast. So I'll have to look for that on an RSS feed a little bit. But yeah, I think L.com really, really stepped in it. That was my major confusion about this movie. What, what did you think, Jesse? What, what, what were some things that confused you? Well, Jacob, here's the thing that confused me about this movie. Generally, when you see, we think about the three-act structure, We think about storytelling, Mm -hmm. about narrative arcs. You have Mm -hmm. rising action. You have conflict, some central change to the story that is driving the characters forward. And especially in romantic comedies, it often stems from miscommunications, misunderstandings. People are meant for each other, but they hate each other at first. You know, there's Mm -hmm. all of these types of things where you don't really know what's going on. And then it's discovered. But the confusion I had with this movie is just where was the conflict? Every time a conflict came up, they just talked about it and resolved it immediately. That really, to me, was the most subversive part of this movie, is that 
in most romantic comedies, I'm sitting there, I'm looking at it, and I'm just saying to the screen, just talk to each other. Just sit down, have a conversation. It, you know, people are always saying, let me explain. Just let him explain, and then this could easily be solved. But they never do that. In this movie, he lets her explain. She says, let me explain what I was thinking. He goes, okay. And she explains it, and it makes sense. And he says, you know, it hurt me, but I understand what happened. I understand you weren't at fault here. Let's have a conversation like adults and figure out how to solve this. And then they do. They do. And that, to me, is a incredibly subversive move yeah. to have these adults act like adults and have an adult conversation. This is two adults having adult conversations, building and starting an adult relationship. And, you know, it's a guy, he's, he's worried about his child, his relationship with his dad, himself, his work. And But he's reaching out and he's saying, here's this woman that's amazing. She's doing amazing things. I want to recognize that. You know, at one point, they set up this classic conflict where they're in the store. He's looking for a present for his daughter, his 10-year-old daughter. And he's looking at it and he's, he's going to get a stuffed animal. And KKP just randomly runs into him, little meat cute in the toy store. She's looking for things for herself. I think maybe it was a general store because why would she be in the toy yeah. store? I think it was like a grocery store that has maybe like a, like a Walmart type yeah. situation where there's multiple departments. But he's there. He's, she, they meet and she's like, well, let me help you. And he's like, okay, you know, I'm having a little trouble doing this. And then she's feeling like a little bit like he's being standoffish, like he's not really accepting her. She's working at this radio station. He works at the radio station. Why isn't he being nice to her? She just says that. She says, why aren't you being nice to me? I feel like you're being a little bit mean to me. And, you know, he doesn't get defensive. He just says, explains, like, hey, you work for corporate radio. I have this feeling like you're coming in here as, like, this corporate chill. You're going to take over the radio station, feeling a little bit threatened by that. And she says, well, actually, I have this podcast on the side. I'm the little guy also. I know how you feel. I recognize that that's a valid feeling. But here's why I don't actually represent corporate radio. Although, I'm not sure I buy that explanation. I think she does also represent corporate radio but she understands him right she's empathizing with his point and he says you know what i'm sorry i was acting like such a jerk let me make it up to you let me buy you a coffee and just that is a microcosm of the whole movie that that pattern is just repeated over and over again they keep putting up these conflicts of like we're not going to understand each other but they just use their amazing communication skills and really bond and i you know did it make for riveting filmmaking no, not no, not the best. Because mm. you're like, oh, here's this conflict. What's going to happen? And then it's just immediately resolved. There was no <laughs> rising action. There was just action resolution. Action resolution. Yeah. And the resolution sometimes even came before you even understood what the action, the rising action was. So I'm not sure that the writers really followed the narrative arc, but I think they were modeling an adult relationship for people watching this TV movie. And I think that was worth worth the the time spent you know i think that the difference between this movie and other christmas movies is that other christmas movies are focused on teaching someone the christmas spirit right having someone who doesn't know about christmas who doesn't understand it who doesn't feel it in their heart and taking them on a journey towards that acceptance towards understanding towards mutual respect this film starts with two characters who already feel the Christmas spirit and it follows their journey of meeting and coming together. And yeah. it's just a different approach. 
And I, I've said this before, Jesse, but what I love about these Christmas movies is how different they're allowed to be. They all have the same shape, but they are all in different colors, in different aspects, in different textures. And that's that's truly, I think, amazing. But yeah, it was confusing to see the what you might expect to be the initial con- the the major conflict of the story, where Kara inadvertently reveals that Michael Xavier's character is the uh, secret Santa. She reveals that over a broadcast to the entire town. Really crushing a central a central tenet of something he already explained to her he did not want to happen. And in fact, she checked exactly. with him multiple times. If there was a movie that really you know demonstrated informed consent. It was this movie. She has him sign exactly. the form. She has. She talks. She says, hey, I don't feel comfortable using this unless you okay it. He says, I'm not yeah. okay with you using it. She says, great, we're not going to use it. Here's why I want to use it, but you know, we're not going to use it. It's really okay. It's a great story, but I'm not going to use it. Her boss overrules her, right? Supposedly, mm-hmm. she believes. Turns out it's mm-hmm. his child that puts it out there. So his child has not learned about consent. She needs to watch this movie. Yeah. But, yeah. you know what we find out is they're just having these like really crushing sort of emotional, like you're dead to me types of conversations in other movies just lead to further acceptance. And I think that was a radical step by the filmmakers and, and one I applaud. It really, it really spoke to me, this, this movie, which, you know, I've been asking, I've been asking for this in the past Mm -hmm. for a movie where people talk to each other like adults and you have you know, asked this us, movie... this is something you say almost every time we watch a movie. Why aren't they talking to each other like adults? <laughs> you know, and I will I will say that this movie has shown me that, yeah, you know, it's probably better for the film that they don't talk to each other and that they do have these miscommunications. It probably does make for, for better storytelling. But for this, and if it happens again, I'm going to be disappointed. But for this movie, it really worked. It really did it work. Really, it really did work. And I think that's the character work. You know, I think if it had yeah. been a broader characters if it had been less lived in performance i think that that it would not have it would not have worked as well i'm just i'm just going to say i don't believe mark ruffalo's character from on the second day of christmas i don't believe him sitting down and having a discussion like adults no. with anyone else in that movie no i think him and the pickpocket child from that movie could were on the same level in terms of their emotional <laughs> capacity and capability you know so jake i want to move on to to one area of confusion that i had before before i completely derail the podcast with what i believe is going to be a major bombshell so i want to clear up one thing and then we'll get to the meat of what i believe is going to just crack this movie wide open okay so i want to tease that lay it on me lay it on all right so i'm confused about how this radio station works first of all okay there's multiple dimensions of this first of all the call station zvit prominently displayed above the door of the radio station there are no radio stations whose call signs start with z it doesn't exist you are either a w or you are a k i believe i'm just gonna check the fcc here so zvrt is the call sign for the radio station that she is broadcasting from, from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. And all the stations east of the Mississippi, according to the FCC, are W's and stations west start with K. Now, there's a couple exceptions, but they all start with K. Okay. All right. So, you know, Boston Radio WMBR, that's a classic, right? 
That's a classic. Um, you know, you have you have some classic radio stations that none of them start with Z. So that was a little confusing. Point number two, there's only two people work at this radio station, and one of them is doing a legal radio show once a week. We never see any other characters in that building yeah. at all. It's a large building with multiple desks. It's just two people in car. And it is it is the Christmas season, so maybe they're out. But radio airs 24-7. Yeah. You don't turn off the radio station. Well, maybe ZVRT does because it's not a real radio station. I don't know. This is my confusion. All right. That was confusing. Uh, Michael Xavier's character, he is doing a legal show. It, it, Call in. Call in legal yeah. show for Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. So if you are having... He's a lawyer. He's a lawyer. And if you need legal advice, you call into the radio station and talk to talk to Michael Xavier. That's a little confusing in and of itself because if you're a lawyer, your first advice to anyone calling in on a show would be go hire a lawyer. A lawyer. Don't talk to me. Don't, do, don't air this on public radio. Call an actual lawyer and have a discussion with them. That's your. That's the only advice that you can, I think, legally give, give yeah. on on a radio on a radio station on a radio call like that. So that that was a little confusing. It was also, I think, more an excuse to get him into the radio station mm. so that he's an opportunity to meet Kara and yeah. talk with Kara. But yeah, it was it was a little confusing to me that they had that they had that aspect of it and they never really did anything with it. And finally, Jacob, I don't know if this was this is again a radio confusion. Okay, mm-hmm. we could call this a little static in the movie. The daughter of Michael Xavier's character really into Kara's Christmas theme, Sirius XM corporate radio station. Listens to it 365 days a year. That's made abundantly clear. She's writing fan mail. She's obsessed mm-hmm. with this Christmas radio station. Her dad hates corporate radio and is always just like. <laughs> has a visceral a visceral reaction to Kara because she works for corporate radio, yet his daughter, he must have this on in his house all the time. Maybe that's why he hates it. I don't know, but I'm confused about that dichotomy. Why does he not have ZVRT tuned in at his house? How is his daughter Jesse, listening to this all the time? I've cracked it. I figured out what it is. Yeah. ZVRT, yeah. because they're a very small radio station, they air shows from other radio stations okay Kara's show is one of those and that's how his daughter hears it all the time that's why he's upset that oh, he's maybe. worried that she's horning well, in that was on his not radio very station, clearly right? explained was it very, wasn't was it very, wasn't explained that's, that's my con- that's you that's my conjecture that's your conjecture all right that i'm trying to i'm trying to close that that plot hole there a little bit all right well jacob i think we've cleared up a lot of confusions there's some other things he has an ex-wife that he shares that lives in Hong Kong. That's never really well explained. He he mentions it a lot that she lives in Hong Kong. Like specifically that she, we never learn her name, but we learn that she lives in Hong Kong with her with her new husband and the their daughter goes back and forth to Hong Kong a couple times. Uh, so it's not made clear, but it's not made clear. There's a lot of a lot of things going on here that we're not we have we you know there's some edges of the world that we have not understood well based on what is shown in the movie. But here's, Jacob, where I want to take you down the rabbit hole. Okay, I'm going to play you a little clip from the movie. Okay, so we're going to let everybody listen to this. And this is, again, about the central mystery of this movie is who is the secret Santa, right? And so she's testing out different suspects. Is it the inn owner? 
Is it the old man who works at the radio station? Who has enough money and is generous enough, has enough of a giving heart to give it away? And so she's, you know, starting this relationship. She's finding out about a Scott, about Michael, Michael Xavier's character. And so here, KKP and Michael Xavier are talking about how Michael Xavier first ended up in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Okay, so let's just take a listen. Okay, I'm going to pause it here. So just, just so everyone is very clear, Michael Scott, he was living in Philly. He's from Philly, which is surprising to her. She thinks that he's from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. So he's from Philadelphia. He's driving to Pittsburgh, and his car breaks down in Harrisburg. Okay, so we're clear on that, Jacob? Okay. All right. Wow, indeed, Jacob. So the story here, as presented in this movie, is he starts in Philadelphia. He's driving to Pittsburgh to see a client. It's around Christmas time. All right. He's got to get this done. Mm -hmm. But his car breaks down outside of Harrisburg, near a small town named Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Vicky, working at the garage, fixes his car so he can get over to his client. But while he's waiting for the car to get fixed, he sees the tree lighting. People are showing him around town. He's at the inn. This bed and breakfast that we've seen that is amazing. It's an amazing bed and breakfast. Everyone's going to love it if they stay in that bed and breakfast. All great stuff. He falls in love with Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, decides to move there, and ends up giving his inherited millions of dollars to them in order to start the Historical Society, which, of course, he is the chairman of, and become a hometown hero, and, and then eventually fall in love with Carr, right? That, that all makes sense to me, Jesse. What's the, what's the confusion here? What's, what's the issue? Jacob, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, Harrisburg, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, these are all real places. Okay. okay. Bethlehem right. is two hours from Harrisburg if you are driving 70 miles an hour. <laughs> it is not on the way. You could theoretically break down near Harrisburg, outside of Harrisburg, driving from Philly to <laughs> Pittsburgh. It is in a generally eastern direction. And in fact, if you were to just drive, to try and drive from Philadelphia to Pittsburgh, you would pass through Harrisburg. You would never pass through Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. <laughs> okay. It is well out of your way to the north <laughs> by two hours. Okay. To the northeast of Harrisburg. Your car did not break down in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, sir. I am sorry. It did not. <laughs> right. It is not possible. Okay. So why why, why did he lie about you? this? What <laughs> what is the tell? real story? Why is he in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania? Why would you tell such a such a falsifiable lie to And why like, does very, Kara like, not understand? She knows where Harrisburg is. She's, she's in she's Bethlehem. Been in Pennsylvania her whole life. She's in Bethlehem currently. You would realize <laughs> if you were near Harrisburg. You drove there from Philadelphia. It was not on the way to Pittsburgh. You know this. All right, Jesse, here, here's what I'm thinking. This is the only way that I can square this circle. Here's what I'm thinking. He is driving. He reaches Harrisburg, right? Yes. He's in his car. The brakes fail. Yes. 
He's going about 5,000 miles an hour. And he makes he can't a stop. hard right He's turn coasting. onto I-76. <laughs> Damn it, you're right. Uh, that, what? That, you that have to get onto I-76. It's not even the same road. It's a different highway. There's something about this China connection, Hong Kong, development company that's spreading throughout Pennsylvania. I don't know. There are some shady details that he is not communicating, Cara. I am worried about what is really in Michael Michael Xavier's past because this story no, does not says, add up. He says that he inherited the money from a company that his father sold, sold following the death. No, of his no, mother. no. So he just he he just says that he his father they have a development company. His parents yeah. give it to him, so he inherits okay. the company. So the development what they're developing is never made clear. But yeah. it's spreading throughout Pennsylvania. It might be a real estate development company. Might be something else. I, I'm I'm not sure. It was not explained. Then his wife has business details in Hong Kong. She's there a lot. That strains their relationship. They split up, and his daughter stays with him in Bethlehem. And he and he decides to be there. Now, could he be covering up? Could he be covering up for something really shady? Yes. Could he just been? Could he have just said, "Look." I had a messy breakup with my wife, who's who's my ex-wife, who's now in Hong Kong all the time, and I wanted a small town to raise my daughter in, and Bethlehem is a suburb of Philadelphia where I grew up, and, you know, 45 minutes away to the north, and it's a great little town. The other thing that I don't understand here, Jacob, is Bethlehem, Pennsylvania is actually right next to Allentown, Pennsylvania, sort of sort of one metro area, and they never mm-hmm. discuss Allentown. It, it seems as if Bethlehem is a standalone place, but it is not. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a contiguous with with other things. So you would have heard people, you know, talking about Allentown, etc. If they're talking about he, Bethlehem. And he could have just he could have just said, you know, I broke down outside of Allentown and I happened to be in Bethlehem. Why does he you have know, to be going to Pittsburgh? This is a complicated lie a strange, that he is telling. Strange choice. So that broke the movie for me, Jacob. I, I, you know, I was all in on this relationship. I, I do, I do remember we were watching the movie, and you, you said, you know, we were typing over GChat. Yeah. You said, "Pause the movie. Pause the movie right now. I have to get my atlas." Yeah. And then you never explained it, and then you're like, "All right, let's start the movie." I'm very disappointed. I'll talk about it later. That all makes sense now. Okay. All you right. couldn't see it because we were talking by text, Jacob. But I was crying. So <laughs> that yeah. I mean, I was crying too, but that just because the movie was very emotional. Yeah, I was crying because uh, of my so. disappointment in Scott and, and Michael Xavier's character. I I really trusted him, and and now I yeah. have doubts. I have questions. All right. Well, wow. On that, that bombshell. That was a bombshell. On that bombshell. What did we learn about Christmas from this movie, Jacob? What are the Christmas themes that spoke most to you about this movie? I think that there were there were really two themes. There were two themes. One is not not necessarily a strictly a Christmas theme, but one that I think is important, which is understanding. You know, we mentioned that this is a movie where the adults talk things out like real people. They talk things out, they come to compromises, and there's no animosity in their conversations. In the last movie, Mark Ruffalo has a lot of animosity with everybody, with uh, the pickpocket, with the child, with his family, with his brother, with his father, with everybody. In this movie, there's none of that animosity. It's just a calm movie 
where people love each other and care for their, each other's feelings. And so that understanding really is, is one of the themes that I thought was very important. The second Jacob, can I just I, can I yeah. just note here oh, sure, sure. that Jump you down. wouldn't like Mark Ruffalo when he's angry. <laughs> I mean, he I, that's very true. That's very true. And I just got to say that watching him throw himself up against a chain link. I'm going to bring it up a lot. Watching him throw himself up against a chain link fence was just just wonderful. Yeah. Anyway, the second theme I would have to say if I'm the number yeah. of themes here. The second theme is that of forgiveness. You know, it's it's about forgiving the people around you when mistakes happen. So Scott, he is upset when his secret is revealed, but he realizes that his daughter, who is the one who revealed it, his daughter truly loves him and cares for him and did this not out of anger or disrespect, but did it because she loves her father and she wants him to understand that. And so he forgives his daughter. He forgives Kara for allowing this mistake. And they work it out. And so that idea of forgiveness and yeah. of second chances, I think, is a truly Christmas theme. Yeah. And one of the things that I really took away from this story. Well, Jacob, I think that what this movie really teaches is that you can't spell Christmas without empathy. That's true. And I think that, well, again, the giving... You don't need the E. You don't, the e there's no E in the in That's the true. P also. There is an M. No P. P, no, okay. All right, well, we'll have to revisit this. But the point Why here... is out. <laughs> the point here, well, Christmas-y. You got to have Christmas-y. Oh, Christmas-y, okay, yeah. Um, Christmas-y ep. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, for sure. I'm still thinking about it. The, okay. the point here is that the giving heart that Scott references that he's trying to teach his daughter, this, mm-hmm. the giving selflessly having empathy with others, with the little guy, with people that are downtrodden, and then giving. This is someone who has all of these worldly possessions. He's a millionaire, and he gives it all away, and he's doing pro bono legal work on the radio, probably in violation of many of the standards and practices, risking his certification and license. Mm -hmm. Because he wants to help people and he's giving away, but he doesn't want people to know about it because he doesn't want them to treat him differently. And, you know, it is that selfless act of giving that I think is a real Christmas lesson for all of us. I mean, you know, this is something we work on with our children where we say, look, it's not about what gift you're getting. The fun of Christmas is in giving someone a gift that they really like. And it's not even like you want them to praise you. You want to see them enjoy it. And, you know, honestly, I think Scott moved to Bethlehem and gave the money away and stayed so he could watch people enjoy it and see the joy without no personal reward, Mm -hmm. you know? And that was a true Christmas theme that I think really came through both on a micro level, individual relationship level, but also on a community level and just a really touching touching thing are absolutely all right so let's let's go on then to our new year's resolutions so jay we talked about a lot of confusing things i don't think we can Uh get away from the geography of it. That's just a reality that cannot that's, be changed. That's just, 
this the okay all right i'm gonna take a real quick pass we'll we'll, we'll go on to the actual resolution but real quick pass yeah this is an alternate universe yeah where harrisburg was founded in a very different place and the the locations are but then that would change the where philadelphia is in relation yeah I, I think that that's okay. not possible yeah. to resolve. It's tough. It's tough. But let's I, let's talk about fly a flag. Yeah. Mm. Wow. It's that's not possible to resolve. But my uh, New yeah, Year's no, resolution. Yeah, okay. All right. Let's take a look at the legal show. How could we okay. have integrated this better into the movie? He has this legal show. It comes up. We see some clips from it. But other than mm-hmm. establishing him of like why he's at the radio station, his like work as a lawyer doesn't really come up in the movie and i think that we could have resolved this confusion about like why is he a lawyer by having some courtroom scenes maybe or just some use of his legal ability and legal knowledge Mm -hmm. to a conflict in the movie unfortunately none of the conflicts you know rose to the level that would require a legal dispute because they were solved through communication ahead of ahead of any lawsuits but I think we could have had some legal trouble. Kara gets into trouble with her station, maybe a contract dispute. Here's, here's what I'm thinking, yeah. Jesse. You know, we, we talked about how Kara's boss overrules her yeah. in, for, in sort of dictating that she has to talk about this, even though she has decided she doesn't want to talk about who the secret Santa is because she knows the identity and, and Scott has decided not to divulge that. So I think a really good legal challenge that would have been that would have brought scott's abilities to the fore that would have made the choice to make him a lawyer be important to the movie would have been perhaps in deciding to overrule it Kara goes to scott and says look my radio station they're they're making they're making me talk about this you know they're going to divulge this recording and scott says wait i'm a lawyer let me look at your contract let me see if there's a way that we can get out of this working together so she goes to him with her contract, with the rules and regulations of the radio station, and they have perhaps a montage of scenes where they're, you know, sipping hot chocolate, looking over legal documents, spending late nights together, and working this out. And it comes to the conclusion, Kara does have control over what she says as long as they fulfill certain legal requirements, and that that is how you you bring his legal abilities into it in a way that makes sense in a way that generates more conflict, an external conflict that the two of them can work together to solve. So I think that would have been a would have been a nice resolution to that question that we had, that lingering question. Yeah, I think that's perfect. I think we should write some notes to KKP along with our fan mail. I might have my daughter write it though because she seems more receptive to things from 10-year-olds. So Jesse I, I was just going to write it, but then make all the E's backwards. So she thinks it's coming. Use from construction child. paper. Uh, construction paper is key. Yeah. A lot of glitter. A lot of glitter. A lot of glitter glue. Well, Jacob. You know, if I'm <laughs> if I've got a show, I I love opening up envelopes that have just a lot of glitter in them. Personally. That's my favorite part of my day. That I just love having You're, to clear off. You don't actually have glitter in your house. You don't actually have glitter in your house. I have no, glitter God. in my house and it is horrible. It's everything you are saying. <laughs> All right, so now we're going to do our our final segment. Well, our second, our penultimate segment, as we normally do, yep. which is our white elephant exchange in which we look at the movie pitch that we would make that has the same title as the one we've just discussed. 
Mm-hmm. So, Jacob, do you have a pitch for me for Radio Christmas? All right, Jesse. Now, you know that the way these movies are written is that someone comes up with a title and then the they say, all right, writers, go and figure this out for me. So for me, looking at the title Radio Christmas, my mind is instantly thinking of two things. One, uh, long distance radio. Two, the North Pole. All right. So hear me out. This is my pitch. Man flying on a plane. He's out. He's out. He's flying over the North Pole. Maybe he's flying to Hong Kong. Uh, that's one possible uh, route you can take. Uh, he's flying over. His plane comes down. He is stranded out in the wilderness of the North Pole. It's Christmas time, so it is freezing cold. And the only way he can get back to civilization is by listening to instructions from a survival expert over the long distance radio that he has. And so through this movie, he is forming a connection uh, with this woman over the long distance radio. He's putting together his survival gear. He's building an igloo, following her instructions. And she, at the same time, is trying to go and find him. He, she doesn't know where the plane went down, so she's looking for it. She's looking for him. He's trying to survive, and they're communicating over this radio. And it symbolizes the themes of perseverance, of trust, and of faith. Faith that this person who is talking to him, who he can't see over a long distance, he's going to put his faith in her that she will help him through this difficult time. And so that, to me, is going to be Radio Christmas, the survival thriller taking place in the Arctic. What about what about you, Jesse? Where would you go? Jacob, we were on the same wavelength, and I originally had a pitch about ham radio, where we had two mm-hmm. people where they thought they were talking to each other, but they were they he thought they were talking to one person that they had a crush on, but they were talking mm-hmm. to a third person because of some ionosphere bouncing. Yep. And so you're connecting with someone who you think is a different person. And falling in love that way and then realizing, actually, I'm not communicating with the person I thought I was. And that mix up leads to hijinks, but also to mm-hmm. romance. So that was yeah. my original pitch. But given that we were on the same wavelength, you know, we were dialing into the same frequency there with our pitch. Mm-hmm. I actually had a mm-hmm. backup pitch, which was okay. about a dystopian sci-fi future. Okay, in which the different holidays are represented by countries. Okay. All right. Sort of like, a, you know, a nightmare before Christmas type of type mm-hmm. of situation. And Radio Christmas is like Radio America and it's broadcasting, you know, oh, the I Christmas spirit, about. trying to spread the Christmas spirit through the radio. And we have people behind enemy lines. Maybe it's Valentine's Day, maybe St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, and just hearing the voice, falling in love with the person through the voice of Radio Christmas. So that that was my my second pitch was sort of a I, I a like genre that experiment that that we would pitch. All right. Okay, so all right, I like that. That was Radio Christmas. What a great movie! I think I don't know how many candy canes I would give it. Ten out of ten candy canes, Jacob. What are we? I mean, was it an, a I, nine? I, w- I will. I do have to dock it at least one candy cane yeah. because it did not have the kind of scenery chewing that I really love. You know, it was just adults acting like adults, and you can have that. I think that's great, but you gotta have at least one guy again doing the acting equivalent of throwing himself at a chain link. Even fence. the sassy friends were just really nice people. They were like, "Hey, this woman seems nice." Like the innkeeper and the guy 
the the guy that worked at the radio station the old guy they they were all just like really nice people very pleasant just very supportive very supportive so yeah i agree with you there's no scenery chewing so maybe nine out of ten candy canes i I would give it a nine out of ten again this is going to be our number two uh on the list i think two out of three i think that next week jacob you are going to have all the scenery chewing that you can handle Oh yeah. Well, what's what's coming up next, Jesse? Give us a, a glimpse of our Christmas future, if you will. Well, the Ghost of Christmas Future is bringing us the number four on L.com's ranking of all eighty-eight Lifetime movies, which is the Twelve Men of Christmas. Okay. And the Twelve Men—that's what I like to hear. The Twelve Men of Christmas stars Kristen Chenoweth. A driven New York City publicist, E.J. Baxter, who loses both her job and her fiancé at the office Christmas party. Her only choice, (laughs) only choice here, has to happen, is to move to Montana and convince a bunch of hunky search and rescue volunteers to pose nude for a fundraising calendar. Luckily, she is very good at her (laughs) job. Keep your eye peeled for a pre-veep Anna Schlumsey playing E.J.'s eager assistant. It's not just the great casting that makes this one shine. It's Christmas feels are real. And I am looking forward to that calendar. I have it on pre-order. Hopefully Amazon can get it to me before I watch this movie. But the 12 men of Christmas, Jacob. Scenery will be chewed. The only problem is it's a 2009-2010 calendar. So it's going to be wildly out of date. How many years uh, does it take before it lines back up again? What's the cycle? Certainly not enough to get tired of looking at this calendar. That's true. Yeah. I'm just going to keep it up on May all year. It's a great photo. I'm a December man, as I think you know. That's true. That's true. I I, I like the Christmas in July spread myself, but we'll find out next episode. So we'll touch back in with you after we watch that. All right. Well, Jesse, it's been a a pleasure speaking with you about Radio Christmas, and I'll see you next week. A Merry Christmas to all and to all. Good night.